What is up, you amazing listeners or viewers tuning in from whichever platform you like to get your podcast from? I'm your host, Chronic, from the Cannabis Chronicles on all major streaming platforms, as well as the host of this wonderful segment of the Autoflower Review podcast called Reviewing Ruderalis, brought to us by the Autoflower Review and Atlas Seed. Be sure to show them some serious love. Definitely check them out and uh, be sure to hit that follow button or subscribe, like I said, because it really is awesome that I can do this every week and teach you guys more about autoflowers or cultivation in general in this segment. Um, And in today's episode, it's going to be a very quick one. It's not going to be too long. Um, We're just going to get straight to a very quick fact that I keep getting asked a million times whether or not people should have one. So should you be using a PA treater? That's pretty much today's episode. And we're going to just break into it. Um, should you be using a pH reader? Yes, you absolutely should. Um, should you be using like one of those like super high end expensive ones? If you're a novice and you've never grown before? No, you can get a very inexpensive pH reader off Amazon for a long time. I was using like Vivo sun ones or, uh, uh, the Dr. Meter pH reader from Amazon. Uh, The inexpensive budget friendly ones are good. The main thing about those is they don't last that long. Even if you keep up with the probes, that at some point in time, the probes will depreciate to a point where they start inaccurately reading like up to one whole pH, like 1.0 pH off. It's not a good thing to be off by. So you really do want to understand that if you are going to purchase an inexpensive pH reader, you probably want to go ahead and buy a new one every single year for the grow season, just so you have a good pH reader for your grow season. Um, you know, the only way I would say that you don't need to buy a new one is if you're consistently every three months to six months calibrating it and it's testing accurately and it's not having any issues and you're having no problems whatsoever. And you've kept the probe wet with purified or distilled water the entire time. So I broke a lot of pH readers and I've spent a lot of money on pH readers. And that's one thing that I don't want you guys to feel like I'm selling you a pH reader on this episode. Um, I've used all the various budget friendly ones and I've broke them all. So whether I've dropped them, cracked the probes, let them dry out, or just did something stupid or silly, that's literally I've done everything and anything. So for you growers out there, yes, the probes are very fragile. Do not break them. One of the times I actually broke mine because I was going to read my pH. I was going to read the pH of a hydro bucket and my eyes weren't the best. Cause I just like, I, I don't know. I, I either looked into the light or I think I was like holding my eye closed because of an eyelash or something. I do remember I was having an issue with one of my eyes and this is why like I make sure that you double check where my vision is whenever I put my pH reader in my buckets now, but I smacked the probe directly off the side of the bucket and it literally just cracked and shattered it and ruined my pH reader. So, uh, don't do that. And the main reason that people kill pH readers or cause them to become uncalibrated or like just duds is letting the probes dry out. So for a long time, I actually let a lot of mine dry out, not knowing that you had to keep the probes wet. Cause like everybody, I don't read manuals. Um, but there is, uh, absolutely a complete difference in a, uh, probe that has been maintained at the proper water levels versus probes that, and I say water level, just like there's a little sponge in the tip of most pH readers. Um, unless you're like, you've got one of those fancy, like ones that like is like a handle and you stick into things. Um, there's usually a cap or something that that sits in that that's supposed to stay wet for pH readers that I'm talking about, like your all in one, like TDS, EC temperature and all that stuff. Uh, you essentially just stick the tip of the probe into the water. And then when you pull it out, you want to stick the tip of the probe into a, like a distilled water or purified water off to the side to clean the probe off whatever solution you just stuck it in. And then you put it back into the cap 
which should have a tiny little sponge at the bottom that should have just like the slightest bit of water over top. The sponge should be fully soaked and there should be just like a little water line above the sponge so that there's actively water there. Um, and that helps keep your probe wet and keeps your probe clean and clear of all the, the extra crap. But there's really, like I said, this episode is going to be very straightforward. If it gets past 10 to 15 minutes, I'll be mind blown because it's, it's very simple. You do need a pH reader. You don't need the most expensive, but you need to take care of it. So when you get a pH reader in, it's not hard to set up. It's as simple as unboxing it, making sure you're not throwing it around, making sure you're not dropping it because it's a sensor. So drop any drops, any big drops or like, you know, you hit it off something or anything like that. You can mess up the technology inside the pen and cause, you know, your to dud out a pH pen. That's another thing I've actually, I've dropped one of my pH pens from about my height, which is about five foot where my arms were. Um, I'm like five, 10, almost six foot. Um, and where my arm was extended to, it dropped about five and a half feet high and it just smacked the ground and it didn't work after it did not work right after. So you need to just make sure you're taking care of them. When you pull them out, you need to follow the instructions, uh, very, very accurately. Make sure you do the pH calibration properly. So you're doing your, I think it's like four, nine and then six so i believe the packets are like 4.15 9.17 and then like 6.15 or something like that but every ph reader has specific ph calibration packets that come within it but you're gonna need 750 milliliters of distilled or purified water every single time you calibrate your ph pen because you need to do 250 milliliters of purified or distilled water per solution and I recommend making sure that your water is not refrigerated and or warmed. You want it at room temperature, roughly 74 to 77 degrees Fahrenheit. It'll tell you on the packet. And you want to wait about one to two minutes for the actual solution to disperse and dissolve inside the, uh, the actual distilled water, purified water. Whenever you do your calibration, you'll turn it on. You'll do the first calibration. You'll you'll then dip the probe into distilled water or purified water off to the side. So you clean the probe tip from the first solution, dip it into the second one. Then you'll clean the probe tip again, dip it into the third one and you're calibrated. And then you'll clean the probe tip and you can put your cap back on or go about testing and using your pH reader in your garden. That is literally as simple as it gets to setting up a pH reader. Um, is it worth the money to get the combination readers or the pH and PPM reader? Yes, it is. Um, TDS, EC, PPM, all that. It's very, very great to have, especially temperature. All of these types of uh, sensors will be very wonderful for you trying to feed your plants or hydroponic growers. Specifically, hydroponic growers, you have to you have to have a pH reader. You cannot grow hydroponically without one, without having some sort of headache along the grow. Um, Soil growers, you can get a little bit away with not having a pH reader if you know how to read plants. But novices, I'm telling you right now, you need a pH reader. Um, you don't need the most expensive, like I said. You can get one for like 30 bucks off Amazon. And most of the time, they're combination readers. They'll do PPM or EC or TDS along with uh, pH. So um, uh, one of the ones that was sent over to me by uh, the Autoflower Review team that the Inkbird supplied us with, um, we're all testing out Inkbird, Inkbird and showcasing their readers. They kind of met the budget friendly pH reader with the high end sensors and combination readers like blue labs, but they made like a budget friendly home grower reader that so far has been very, very wonderful. Um, 
there's no f- different feeling, you know, like the cheaper, cheap, like the very cheap pH readers definitely feel plasticky. But as you get into like the 35 to $60 pH readers, they all relatively look the same, function the same, feel the same. Um, it's just the, the quality of the probe, how long they go, how good they are, what the price is, if the price is right. So the few I recommend would be like your cheapest, cheapest, cheapest would be like your Vivo Sun. The one above that would be like your doctor meter pH reader. The next step up would be like your ink bird. And then the top tier, top of the line would be like your blue labs. And those are just too expensive. I've never owned a blue labs. They're very expensive and I break pH readers too much. And it's taken me a while to understand how to properly care for a pH reader and not mess that up over, <laughs> over time or over a growth season. So I just don't like buying expensive things off the gate when I'm learning with them, especially if it's tools that I know I'm going to mess up and I have to replace. Now, for growers listening who you've used pH readers for so long and you're trying to look for a permanent pH reader or solution, um, yes, I, I do recommend Blue Labs or Inkbird as the, those top tier results. They're very, very quality. Um, and I believe here soon we're going to be testing um, a new line of products and sensors. So I'll, whenever we do that, I'll kind of showcase those and, and let you guys know what those are. But no, I think every grower needs to have a pH reader. It doesn't need to be the $400 Blue Lab or $100, $150 Blue Lab or whatever it is. It doesn't even need to be a $60 Inkburn. You could you could get away with anything under anything under 40 bucks, 30 bucks. They're they're good sensors to get you pHing properly. Now, why is pH important? And what's another product that I'm going to recommend to aid you novices in never having pH issues? If you haven't heard the reviewing Ruderalis episode where I I had Tim McCormick on from Culture Biologics, I very highly recommend listening to it. At the end of the episode, we discuss his line and we go into in-depth on all of his line. There's a particular um, nutrient or amendment additive, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a carbon-based product that he has created called PH Lush. And it, what it essentially does is within cannabis cultivation, if you've ever listened to any of my old podcasts, any podcasts on this channel where I talk about uh, growing start to finish and, and discuss pH ranges or shifting pH ranges, micro and macronutrients fall within various pH ranges. You have your low end pH ranges, your 5.5 to your 5.9. That is more of the vegetative macro and micronutrients, you know, your nitrogen, calcium, boron, magnesium, manganese, those types of things. And then you have your 6.0 to 6.5 ranges. That's going to be more of your phosphorus, potassium, and even some, still some of that nitrogen and manganese and copper and things like that. But it's going to be more of the, you know, copper and the uh, phosphorus and the potassium for flowering. So it's going to be more of those types of nutrients on the, the that scale. As a grower, before pH lush, before that amendment, we, and I say we, like me or any grower growing, would have to shift your pHs if you wanted to actually make use of the most amount of nutrients that your plant could uptake during that time. Because if it's not in a pH range that these nutrients fall in, it's not going to have the utmost accessibility to them. So if your plant's at 6.3 and it's vegging and it needs calcium, it's more ideal to lower it to 5.6 to 5.9 pH so that it can actually uptake that calcium at a way easier. um, It it can do it a lot easier because it falls within the pH ranges for the plants to access those nutrients. pH lush lush is a carbon-based nutrient that or additive that 
unlocks the plant's capability to access nutrients in various pH ranges. So you can keep your plant at 6.0 pH or 5.9, and it can access 5.5 nutrients just like 6.5 nutrients. So your plant never has to shift pH range, and it can stay you know, pretty relatively good in accessing all of those nutrients in the other ranges. So I highly recommend pH Lush. Um, and that paired with a, a good pH pen, you'll never, you won't have any pH issues, you know? And then as far as the adjusters, if for those wondering what kind of adjusters I use, I don't like working with liquid adjusters. I just don't, um, liquid acids can burn your hand. They get, they're very corrosive to your environment. They can mess your floors up. They can mess your walls up. Um, they can burn you because like I said, they are acids. I prefer granular stuff most of the time because natural, all natural granular rock adjusters or salt adjusters generally have PK within them. So they actually add a little PK to the reservoir naturally. So it's a little amendment boost. Um, I like TNV naturals pH up and down. It's what I've been using for about two and a half years now. It's what I'll continue to use. They're really, really wonderful and they don't put a lot of PK or excess, um, PPM into my reservoir and a little goes a long way. It's very, very concentrated. Um, and it doesn't burn you when you're working with it. If it gets on your hand, cause it's granular. Um, and it's very easy to scoop and do exact dosages to dial in how much you need to put in with your feeding. Um, other than that, there's really nothing left to pH treaters. Again, you don't need the most expensive pH treater. Now, are they worth the money? Yes. If you're a veteran grower or you're a grower getting into growing and you finally have a few grow seasons under you and some harvest and you want to upgrade your equipment, yes, those better pH readers absolutely are better. They last longer. Their probes are way more dialed in. You'll get way more accurate of a reading. And most of the time, those higher end readers have actually a lot more options for what they're reading and, and information for you to collect like EC and various things like that. So you can start actually dialing, dialing in your feeds even more with those types of sensors. So those are for like the big boy sensors or for people who are really trying to make big boy moves in their garden, upgrading and dialing in. But most pH sensors are very inexpensive and they're very simple to set up. And it makes all the difference in the world for you growers out there. So if you're listening to this, yes, you need a pH reader to grow cannabis. Yes, I know I have some videos where I talk about how I kind of just look at my plants and wing it, um, especially this grow season. I had a few months where I didn't have a pH reader. I even had issues. I had some seedlings die. I had some plants get some crispy leaves. And I, in fact, was out of range on a couple of my mothers. So it's not the best to do that to yourself because it stunts growth. It stunts, you know, you're going to spend more in your garden on electricity and water because your plants aren't growing as fast. So you're spending more time vegging them. It all comes back down to money and how much you're spending. And pH reader is just another little tool to help growers not have to spend so much money and accurately know what they're feeding their plants, what ranges you're in, and make sure that you're not going to mess your grow up the whole time, especially in flower and especially with autoflowers. Like if you don't have a pH reader and you accidentally cause your plant to go spike way out of range or go drop way out, way out of range, you could cause your autoflower to uh, flower pre, uh, way earlier than it should have because of the stress or the stress to the roots. Um, if you're in flower for any plant, autoflowers or a photo periods, if you go out of pH range, even for eight hours, you're going to drastically, uh, you're going to drastically affect your outcome of your weight potential for your plant. Um, you, you know, every day out or every hour out of a pH range is every hour that plant can't do photosynthetic processes to grow or bulk up or do what it needs to do to like really put on flower. So you definitely want a pH reader. 
I recommend personally for novices, I recommend the Dr. Meter pH reader from Amazon. It's a very inexpensive. It's probably the cheapest one. Um, and then for, for people who have had it grow under their belt or for people who are novices, but they, they'd rather buy a tool that they're not going to have to replace in a year and they know themselves they're not going to break it and you're going to take care of it, I recommend the Inkbird. The Inkbird that I've been using is actually really nice. And it has, like I said, it's a combination pen. It's got all the things you can read EC and TDS and all that. And that really, it really is going to step your grows up. Um, but the only thing you growers need to be really, truly concerned with when you first start learning is really pH. Um, most schedules for feeding are generally pretty good in this day and age about not overfeeding. And the best rule of thumb to apply is always do a quarter to half of what's recommended so that you don't overfeed your plants regardless. So as long as you follow those principles and you have a good pH range, your plant should never have an issue. It should, you know, if it, if it shows signs that it wants more food, then you just know that you have a heavy feeder and you can feed more. But, you know, a pH reader really does allow you that option of knowing that you're not out of range. So pretty much it. That's uh, really the episode today. There, there wasn't much to it. It's as plain and simple as yes, I do recommend all growers having a pH reader in their garden so that you can pH your feeds and you can pH your, your, uh, reservoirs or soil girls or cocoa girls um cocoa growers just remember that your phing is a little different and that whenever you grow in cocoa every brand of cocoa is going to leach cocoa uh leach pk differently and at different times it will release so you have to understand that at some point during your grow usually about six weeks in and from what i understand with cocoa growing to eight weeks your cocoa will actually expel excess pk that it's latched and leached onto and it will it will slowly leach it out which can cause your ph to shift daily so you want to just be aware and cognizant of that so that's why if you're growing a cocoa you absolutely do need a ph reader um for soil growers just remember uh ph readers for soil are very expensive so just buy a normal ph reader and p and read your runoff so whenever you water your plants you're just taking a ph reading of your runoff which will i like to take the whole runoff kind of pull it in one place and take a reading of that and if it's high i'll adjust it my next feeding lower if it's right on point i won't i'll just keep in the same range my next feeding or if it's too low i'll increase it in ph my next feeding so soil growers you just have to understand that your adjustments have to have happen at least four to five days out where you like where if you were reading a ph of a reservoir or a cocoa grower you can usually make those adjustments the same day because of the medium that you're working with so these are all the things that you want to think about um i can do a whole if you guys want a whole in-depth episode of you know what ph zones are best for which nutrients and why ph lush unlocks this and why all that if you want me to go in depth with all those nutrients i can absolutely do that but i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i get asked a lot if you do need a ph reader and you definitely do it they're not gimmicky tools and they're not they're they're worth it obviously if you're a novice you don't need to go blowing money on a 300 blue labs one but you know that's there's very inexpensive, good quality pH pens out there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video and this podcast. I hope you guys uh, uh, learned something or maybe it just helped answer your question for as you're buying supplies and getting your supply list ready to begin your cultivation experience. Um, make sure to show Atlas Seed and the Autoflower Review some serious love, especially um, 
I mean, both of them, they're, they're amazing. But uh, I was just going to say shout out to the Autoflower Review for sending me uh, one of the Inkbirds over and shout out to Inkbird for even sending them over to the Autoflower Review for letting us uh, test them, for letting some of the team members test them. I know KJ Gross and uh, Thor and myself and um, the gentleman behind the Autoflower Review is actually, um, we all have those readers on hand and we really like them so far. So if you're asking my personal preference on a, a PH Pen Inkbird, I think it's a good all around novice to veteran pen that you could get away with. Um, budget friendly, doctor meter, best option, blue labs. So that's, that's where I stand on that. That's, I think, I think most of the community could agree with me on pH readers. If you ask anyone across the board, there's nothing special about all the low end ones. You're just getting a pH reader that you can, that does the job. And most of those low end ones aren't going to do the job past a year, a year and a half. So that's why you end up spending more on the, the, the higher end ones because those probes are meant to last longer um, or they're replaceable probes so that the actual product itself that you did the reader and, and sensors and everything um, you can replace and keep your tools good. But yeah, that's the spiel on pH pens. I hope you guys enjoy smash that like button, comment down below, hit that follow button or from whichever platform you're on and remember to hit that notification bell. So you get notified of all the episodes and all that fun stuff. And be sure to check out the Autoflower Review Discord. I post a lot of the plant updates of the face pad auto. Of the, I'll be posting pictures of my neon cowgirl, the uh, uh, fog dog auto tricross, and the peanut butter bomb. So the the neon cowgirl and peanut butter bomb are fems, and the rest of them are autos, all from Atlas. So I'll be posting all those on the Autoflower Reviews Discord, and you can check all that out. So much love, happy growing, and peace, everyone.